But I want to start this morning by quoting a sermon, the best sermon, the greatest sermon ever delivered. It's the Sermon on the Mount given by Jesus Christ. And about 2,000 years ago, he stood before some people and he brought these words to them and through the scriptures, they speak to us today as well. This is what he said in Matthew 5, 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It's no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And I guess he used to use salt for fertilizer. And so that's what that's about. So you get the idea there. And he went on to say, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, so God gives us this invitation to, be, uh, to live our lives in a way that you know, is salty, that makes people thirsty for God, to live our lives in a way that shines a light on God's love, his compassion, his, his care for us, his forgiveness, so that people can experience God. And this is really an invitation to an unexpected adventure. And I'm convinced that if we make ourselves available, uh, when we're prepared and prayer- prayerful about doing that, then we never know what's going to happen. You know, your day might start out as just an ordinary day, and then God kind of ambushes you with an opportunity to be salt and light and use you or a conversation with someone that may change that person's eternal destination. That's the unexpected adventure of the Christian life. And in the Case for Christ movie, a woman named Alfie makes herself available to the unexpected adventure that God has for her. She has an encounter with Lee and Leslie Strobel that is the spark that starts their journey towards uh, God. And her willingness to live obediently to Christ sent out a ripple effect of unimaginable proportions. So we're going to watch a little clip from that uh, video that got started, the struggle started on their spiritual journey. Well, it's not luck. It's Jesus. 
My husband and I want our way to another restaurant tonight. Something told me I need to be here. So, so do you see how God used Alfie's availability to impact their lives? And, and who knows how many lives are, have been touched by that one encounter as Lee Strobel goes on to accept Christ and, you know, he's written all these books and now this movie comes out simply because someone was available to speak out about who they are and why they do the things they did. And it's exciting to think that God can use ordinary Christian uh, to connect the dots for people like the Strobels. And, and God wants to use us in similar ways. I hope you feel encouraged and intrigued by that. That uh, as we conclude this Case for Christ series today, we're going to talk about how our daily lives can become a case for Christ. We are one of the greatest evidences for the reality of Christ. And we're going to look at some ways to live out this adventure, as we saw Alfie do in the clip. Uh, so in your message notes, if you want to pull those out, the first thing that we'll need to do to live lives that are living proof or a case for Christ is to talk to Jesus about your neighbor before you talk to your neighbor about Jesus. All right? Before Jesus did anything important, he brought it to his father in prayer. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for people who didn't yet know him. And um, Jesus is the only one who can draw people to himself. But most often, he does that in response to, to prayer. And I came across this question this week that was really convicting for me when I read it. Uh, and the question is, if God were to answer every prayer you prayed last week, would there be anybody new in his kingdom? So, so think about the prayers that you prayed last week. And would there just be, you know, people in your life, your life, would it just be uh, happier, healthier, you know, uh, have more things uh, going right or whatever? Or would there be new people in the kingdom of God? And I hope that some of you can quickly list some friends and family member who are on your heart and you're praying for them regularly. Um, if your answer to that question was nobody, then I would encourage you to write a name on that line that I put in your message notes there for you and to begin to pray for them on a regular basis so um, you, God can use you in those ways. And, you know, we all know people who are struggling right now who are maybe going through some kind of a loss or they're making choices that are hurting their relationships or hurting their health and, or their future. Uh, maybe they're lonely or bored, and an invitation to church or one of our events or something um, may set them on that path to an, to spiritual uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. But before you talk to people, talk to God. Ask God to open the doors, to give you the right words, to open their hearts so that they'll be responsive to those invitations. Prayer is powerful and effective. That's what it says in James. And before you speak to our friends about Jesus, we need to speak to Jesus about our friends. All right? Then the second uh, thing that we can do, Forrest is going to talk to you about that. The second thing is to practice listening and responding to the Holy Spirit's guidance. We need to practice that. Um, 
I want to give you a short little backstory. My point is basically going to be uh, working through the story of Samuel. And you all remember the story of Samuel. If you don't, nod your head anyway, because see, then you, oh. Um, he was the one who was a prophet of God throughout his whole life. Uh, his story started with his mother couldn't have children, and she was very sad about that. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed. She went to the temple. Eli, the priest, was there. And they had this little conversation. Basically, uh, she said, I really, really, really want to have a child. And I promised I'll dedicate him to God if I could have a child. And Eli said, well, uh, you're going to have a child. And so she had a child. Uh, when he was still young, she brought him to the temple or the, the house of, of God. They hadn't built a temple yet. It was the tabernacle. And she left him there with Eli the priest. And he spent his whole life there serving and worshiping God and being the prophet of God. So he started out really young, okay? So uh, our first thing that I've got to tell you is we need to learn how to recognize God's voice. Anybody ever had a question about that? You heard something that was like, is that me? Is that God? Is that somebody else? I'm not exactly sure. Right. So we need to learn to recognize that voice because we can have more confidence in that voice if we know that's God talking because I rep recognize his accent, okay? It's, that sounds familiar to me. So um, back to the, the Samuel story. We've got, here's the, the whole gist of the Samuel story. One night Eli, the priest, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel, who was still a young child, was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Holy place. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. So God spoke, Samuel answered. So how do we learn to recognize God's voice? Chris has got a slide for us that has the ones that I could think up off the top of my head. How does God speak to us? Well, in Samuel's case, it was out loud. He heard a voice from nowhere. Um, we also can hear God speak through the Bible. We call that the Word of God. Wonderful way for God to speak to us. Through prayer, when we're talking to God, He likes to talk back if we'll stop talking you know, occasionally. Um, through our thoughts, most of us, we don't hear that voice, but we do have thoughts come into our minds, something just popped in. That was kind of Alfie's story. I just had a feeling that I was supposed to be here. That thought just entered her mind uh, for whatever reason. God was giving that direction. Through our circumstances, something happens and you realize, oh, that's God taking me from here and moving me towards there. Okay, And through other Christians. That's why it's important for us to meet together and for you to have times when you interact with Christians and Christian teaching because God can speak to you through people that God's speaking to. They may be giving you his message. So um, that's some ways that God speaks to us. I won't say that this is an exhaustive list, and you all probably have your favorites, ways that you are learning to recognize God. Um, you need to make sure that he's, you're listening in a variety of different ways because he does speak to us in many different ways. So, how do I prepare myself to hear God's voice? Well, back to Samuel. He was there as a young child in the house of the Lord. And it says uh, in 1 Samuel 2 and 3, there's several different mentions there because that's his story. Um, it said, meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. 
The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. So as he was growing up in the presence of the priest, in the presence of God, he was learning to recognize God's voice. So hadn't done anything miraculous at this point, but he was laying the foundations, becoming familiar with God and familiar with his voice. So how do I prepare to hear God's voice? Another list. Take time to be quiet. Slow down. Often we're so busy, we don't give God the opportunity to speak to us because our minds are full of all kinds of other things going on. We need to slow down and be quiet and listen. Uh, Read the Bible. Again, God's word. You read. He can give his message to you. Uh, Have a devotional time. Now, that has many different ways of happening. You might have a devotional book. You might have Christian stuff that you read on a regular basis. You might be reading a blog about uh, you know, a Christian teacher that's got a blog that they're posting or something on the internet or you're watching a video or listening to your favorite devotional thing on the Christian radio station. There's lots of different ways you can immerse yourself in God's word. Um, take time to pray. And a big part of prayer is listening for what God's saying to you. And be in regular contact with mature Christians, Christians that you trust their views, you trust their opinions, you trust their guidance from God. So those are some ways that we can prepare ourselves because once we're prepared, it's much easier for God to speak to us because we have our antennas up and we have made sure the circuits are connected, so we're going to hear that. Um, And my third thing, how can I be sure it's God's voice? That's a huge question. Many times when we hear the word, we have doubts. I'm not sure what that is or if that's God or if I'm just making that up or what. So how can we be sure? Um, Back to Samuel. So speak, Lord, your servant's listening, right? Here I am. And that happened three times. He goes to Eli and says, yeah, here I am. And Eli says, it wasn't me. Go back to sleep. And again, Samuel, here I am. And he rushes to Eli. And Eli says, not me. Go back to sleep. Third time, Eli finally catches on. He's old. He's a priest. He should have caught on sooner. But the third time, Eli catches on. Oh, wait a minute. That's God talking to you. That's not me. So when he talks to you again, and Chris, I think we've got it on the slide. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So Eli finally gave him the message. That's God talking to you. Listen. Answer him when he talks. Okay? So he'd been preparing himself, and he got confirmation from a trusted Christian advisor. Um, God is speaking to you. Listen. Respond to him. Talk to him back. Um, We've got a short list here. How can I be sure it's God's voice? Pray. Confirm it in Scripture, because God's not going to give you a message that runs counter to what God has in the Bible. Okay, The Bible is God's eternal word, and whatever message he's giving to you should fit with what you see in the Bible. And ask a trusted Christian mentor. That is so important. We need to do life together. So if you have questions or doubts or you're just not sure, talk to somebody about it. Somebody that has discernment, that's a wise Christian, Uh, with some experience under their belt, and 
ask for their guidance. And a lot of times they're not going to give you the answer. They're going to say, let's look in the Bible and see. I'll pray about that and see if something comes to me. Okay? So then you've got somebody else helping you to get that message. So, um, and remember, to make sure that it's God's voice, you're not just going to listen to one thing. Well, I had this thing pop into my mind, so that's God talking to me, and I think, guess I'll just do this. Uh, you probably want to make sure that that's confirmed, so there's a reason for me to trust that this is God's voice. Practice, practice, practice. If you practice, you'll get better at it. All right. So, uh, da, 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 da. that was my first point. My second point, respond to the Holy Spirit's nudging. Now that you've heard God's voice, you recognize it, you've prepared yourself, you've confirmed that that's God's voice, then once he's told you to do something, respond. Do that. Um, we're going back to Samuel again. Samuel lay down, and in, in, in the morning, uh, he, God gave him his message. In the morning, he went about his regular duties. He was afraid to to tell Eli the message because it was a message of doom for Eli's family because they had not been doing the right thing in their high office as priests. And he was kind of afraid to tell Eli this. And so Eli said, tell me what the Lord said. Don't leave anything out. You'll be in big trouble if you do. So he's kind of giving him some encouragement to go ahead and follow God's leading. What did he say? What is, he, what is the message he wants to bring? And so Samuel told him, well, he said it was not going to be good for you and your family. And I've got the last end of that verse, Chris. What was he said to you, Eli asked, with extra, you better tell me the truth. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what's good in his eyes. So confirmed by Eli, okay, that's what it is. It's not good for me and my family, but he's God. He knows. It's the right thing, okay? So, um, when you feel God speaking to you, go ahead and follow that leading. Take those steps. If you're not 100% sure, clarify it through scripture, through prayer, through talking to others, and make a move in that direction. God will confirm that. If you're heading in the right direction, he'll confirm or tell you, you know, that wasn't it, and he'll start leading you in a different direction. But... You want to take those steps. You're practicing doing what God wants you to do. So you're going to respond to those nudgings. You're going to kind of move forward in fear and trembling maybe, but you're going to move forward and try to do those things that you feel like God is telling you to do. As you do that, God's voice is going to become more and more clear, and you're going to have more and more confidence that you can move forward. When God says something like this and you recognize it, you can move forward with confidence. You can step on the gas and move forward quickly with more assurance. And my third thing, you need to connect the dots. This kind of goes back to Alfie's story. They were thanking her for, we were so lucky. And she wanted to connect those dots. No, 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 it's not luck. It was Jesus. My husband and I were going to a different restaurant, and something told me, we should go here. I wonder what that something was. God telling you, you're going to be needed there. Now, did he say there's going to be a baby choking and you're going to have to do the Heimlich maneuver? No, he doesn't give us that much detail. He's saying, don't go there, go there. And that can be as easy as, well, what do you feel like tonight, honey, Chinese? Eh, 
I'm not really in the mood for Chinese. I was thinking maybe the Mex Mexican restaurant. Well, which one? The one on Columbia or the one out on Beckley? Oh, I don't know. I guess maybe the one. Right? He's just kind of leading you. Why? Well, it's my stomach. I, just, I really have a taste for Mexican tonight. So he leads us not realize, we don't realize why we're there, except that I was hungry for a taco. Um, but he's got a reason for us to be there, and he'll unfold that at the time. Okay? It would be so easy if he gave us the whole thing, the whole plan. Here's exactly how this is going to play out. He doesn't work that way. Okay? So he wants you to follow, then he's going to give you more light as you follow. So um, how do you do that? Um, connect the dots. Just tell them. She said it was Jesus. She said something just told me I was supposed to be here. And you can say something like, well, you know, this morning in my devotional I was just reading, and that is something that really exactly fits with what we're doing here. Um, in church last Sunday, the, the pastor was talking about and that's something that's exactly relevant to that situation. So God's going to be preparing you ahead of time. So you just need to connect those dots. Now, why do we connect the dots for them? They were thanking her for what she did. We were so lucky. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If we don't connect the dots that that was a God thing, they're going to think, wow, what a great guy he is. Or, she's so sweet, isn't she just darling? Or, what nice children, they're so polite. They're going to put all the focus on us. Are they going to make the connection to God? God is involved in people's lives? No. They're going to think, what a nice guy. Is that what you want them to think? Well, yeah, but do you deserve all that credit? No. So you don't want them to mistakenly put it all on you. That's a pretty heavy burden to, to bear. Because if you're that good guy when, when you do something nice, what about those other times? That's your fault too, right? So you, don't want, you want to deflect that away from yourself and point it towards God. Because when you connect the dots and say, this is a God thing. God did this. He told me to come here. Or I just had this sense. You know, I was praying and, and God said, you need to be here. Um, when we do that, we're giving the praise to God, and even if they're not believers, they've got a, hmm, she said God. She said she wasn't planning on being at this restaurant, but she came because something just told her, and then she saved my baby's life. So they're going to begin to think, wow, God really does that? There, there really is a God who cares about me and wants to intervene in my life for my good? So they begin to understand. They may not, the light comes on and they want to kneel down and become a Christian right at that moment, but they're going to have that light come on that, wow, there it maybe is something to this. I might want to check that out. And with Lee Strobel, remember his journey was a year and nine months. And it started with this encounter and it went through his denial and his arguing and finally coming to faith. So it may take a little while. But you're opening that door and letting him see that light. Now Peggy's going to come with a final point. All right. That was really good, though. And I really appreciate all your help with this. All right. 
told you to do that. That's one of the ways God speaks. All right, your third point in your notes. Live out in authentic faith. And so in order to live out this authentic faith, we have to go beyond words to action. Jesus just didn't say that he loved the world. He came and he served. Uh, He was a servant. And when we care about others and serve others as Jesus did, that opens their hearts to, uh, to the gospel. Remember that scripture we looked at at the beginning of the message, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this word uh, for good here in the Greek uh, isn't just good as opposed to bad. It's winsome and attractive. And our authentic acts of service are attractive, they're winsome, they draw other people to Christ. So this requires that we develop a kind of a compassion radar that uh, we're watching. What do our neighbors need? What do our friends need? Maybe there's an elderly neighbor who would uh, be grateful if you ran an errand for them, or perhaps a single mom who could stand a little bit of free time uh, uh, from the kids, or maybe a kid who doesn't have a dad and needs somebody to shoot hoops with them. Uh, this Just yesterday at Bellevue, there was a family that was burned out of their home, and through the free store, we were able to give them some clothing. And, uh, and inter- a cool thing that happened, just like two days before that, someone had sent me an email. I have a couch and a love seat. It's a lazy boy. It's really nice. I'd like to donate it to the free store. And so I, I, she was supposed to bring it in on Saturday. And here's a family who's burned out and needs a couch and a love seat. And she, she brought it all the way from Eaton Rapids for them to have that. So, so we're watching for these ways that we can be used by God. And another way that we live out this faith authentically is to live a life of consistency. That's what Jesus did. His life was congruent between his belief and his behavior, between his character and his words. And one of the ways that I uh, saw this lived out recently, I told you about our grandson, Forrest was just talking to him, uh, about him being on this robotics team. And he lost a friend uh, in February. The friend was on the robotics team as well. And so here's this coach. They're just starting their season, and he's got a team of kids who are grieving this loss. So he suggested that they dedicate this season to Gabriel, and they put in memory of Gabriel... uh, across the back of their shirts. They also had it put on a plate on the front of their robot. So it says this robot was made in memory of Gabriel. And they ended up doing so well that their team went to states and then on to a world competition in St. Louis. And, you know, that was an awesome experience for the kids, and they'll remember that for a long time. But their coach did something that had much more potential to shape their lives. Uh, when they were at the state competition, they stayed overnight there for uh, three nights. And on one of the evenings, the coach had a team meeting with all of the kids and the parents and the chaperones. And during the meeting, he talked about strategy. He told them that he was proud of them. But then he said, um, one last thing. I want you to know that I love you. 
and he said, I never uh, got a chance to say that to Gabe, and I, and uh, he said, but, but more than that, I want you to know that I'm a person of faith, and that my faith got me through uh, losing Gabe, and I, then he went on to talk a, a little bit about his faith, and that that's why he lives the way that he does, and he said, I'm not going to say anything more about that, I just wanted you to know if you have any questions about that, that you, you can come to me, and, I, and I'll talk to you. And Charity said there wasn't a dry eye in the room, and that included all of the, the guys. He connected the dots for them. They knew he was a great coach. Uh, he told them that he loved them. But he let them know that that love came out of his love for Jesus Christ. Here's the really important thing, though. Before he spoke about Jesus, he lived like Jesus. And he could say all kinds of great things about how much he loved them and that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. But if he cheated in the competitions or yelled at them when they lost or, uh, you know, swore up a blue streak, that would have just drowned out all of his words. Instead, he taught them not to be upset with each other when somebody made a mistake that cost the match, which he did at one point. (laughs) Well, they got a yellow card for it. He went out on the... uh, field before he was supposed to, but he taught them to be family, to to be a team, to care about one another. Uh, They didn't get upset with each other when when a mistake was made. Here's a picture of a group hug at the world championship. You know, we all have circles of influence, uh, people that we come into contact regularly, whether it's, you know, soccer moms or uh, scout meetings or at a restaurant. And God wants us to live out our faith in winsome ways that draw people to Christ and to watch for those opportunities to connect the dots for them uh, so they know why you do the things that you do, why you're so steady during those times when life is hard. And, And when we live salty lives and make ourselves available, our lives become a case for Christ. And like Alfie, God can open the door to your friends, to your family, to believe, to receive, and become a child of God. Let's pray.